Well, shalom, my friends. This is Dr. Eugene Saunders coming to you with another episode of Pod Church, and this is Memorial Day 2020. I want to take just a moment to thank all of uh, all those who have served, all the families who have sacrificed, um, and of course, uh, what this is about is remembering those who have paid that ultimate sacrifice and giving of their lives for the freedoms that you and I enjoy. Those freedoms that are outlined uh, for those of you in the United States of America, those freedoms that are outlined in the U.S. Constitution, those first 10 amendments, that Bill of Rights. What a blessing it is. What a blessing it is to live in a country where we have freedoms, where we don't have to be worried that somehow we will not be allowed to worship freely, that somehow we won't be allowed to, to speak our minds and, and, and to question the authorities. Those things we're given here in the United States because of those freedoms and because of men and women who have given of their lives to, well, to give us and, and maintain that freedom. And, you know, let me take a moment as well to just thank those who maybe you're serving right now during a time of, of relative peace. We do have a conflict going on, but a time of relative peace. And you are serving and you're making a lot of sacrifices for your, in your family. You're making a lot of sacrifices uh, because of what's required of you to even give up those freedoms that the rest of the country enjoys so that you are a part of that standing number to defend our freedoms. And I just want to take, take this moment on Memorial Day to say thank you to you as well. And thank you to those families, of course, who have lost loved ones. Um, because of conflicts that our country has had to endure. And you've given a great sacrifice. And I want to say thank you to you as well and take this moment to just say thank you, Lord, for those who have served in all of the branches of our military and other parts of our government who have, who have secured that freedom. And perhaps even volunteers. Let's not forget them. Volunteers in other areas who have, who have served uh, in uh, conflicts and have given their lives as well. It's important for us, I believe, to remember in our spiritual walk those who have given, those who have paid the price. And it reminds us ultimately of the price that Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Messiah, paid for you and I. John chapter 17, as you've heard me reference before, is this beautiful chapter just prior to Messiah's arrest, just prior to Messiah's giving of his life. Interestingly, in another garden, But in John 17, he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for, he's praying for those of us that will come after who have not seen him, but only would hear his word. He's praying for us 
in him, to be found faithful in him, to, to walk faithfully and not be dissuaded or deceived and led away. He's praying because he has been faithful to keep those who have followed him. He is praying also for us who will come after. He's doing this because of his love for us. And then we we come into John 18. We come into... come into John 18 and we read that he comes into this garden. And the one who is going to betray him arrives. We know him as Judas Iscariot. Another Probably more Hebrew term for it would be Judah. Uh, would be the Hebrew term for for his name, Judah. And he comes, um, uh, he comes in, and he comes in with with soldiers and officers. And the ruling priests and the Pharisees. And they're coming with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Yeshua, Jesus, knowing all these things coming upon him, went forward, and he said to them. Who are you looking for? They respond, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, Yeshua tells them, I am. And we're told that that Judas and, and those who were standing with him that they backed up at that at that proclamation. They backed up and they fell to the ground. They backed up and they fell to the ground. Now, those of you that are familiar with the biblical text know that what is about to happen is that his arrest will lead ultimately to his crucifixion and then his resurrection. And we would see that this is the power and the win and, and, and the, the victory that Messiah will have over death. And the grave. And here... As we look at John 17 and 18, we see that Messiah has committed to this process in the midst of a garden. He is committed to the process of following through with the redemptive plan. Unlike that first garden, unlike the first garden where the first Adam, his partner brought to him some fruit. In in fact, even in the midst of this discussion with the enemy, Adam does not speak up. When she brings him the fruit, he does not speak up. He doesn't say, no, 
remember what God has said. He doesn't say, no, remember who you are in God. He does not say to his partner, to the woman, he does not say to her, stop. This leads to death. And even after she partakes, he does not say, stop. And intervene for her. But in contrast, in this next garden, where Messiah is right now, in John 18, in contrast, Messiah commits to the plan. And by his self-disclosure of who he is, the power of God breaks forth and actually knocks them to the ground. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being there and seeing that? Knocks them to the ground. Now, this isn't even the power that's about ready to be displayed upon the cross. It isn't even the power that's about ready to be displayed in the resurrection. This is, this is something that happens just when Jesus, when Yeshua just says, I am. Breaking forth in that moment, the power of God knocks him down. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what enemy has, has what enemies, what what the enemy has lied and deceived and undermined and, and tried to convince you of. I don't know if, if it's insecurities. I don't know if it is, if it is the lies of the enemy to, to make you believe that, that everyone is against you or that somehow your world is, is all dark. Or that somehow... You are, you don't have worth. Maybe because of things you've done in the past. Maybe because of things that have, that have happened. The enemy has, has used that door to just try to continue to undermine you. And it doesn't matter where you're at and where you're hearing this podcast from. You could be in a prison cell serving time for a crime you committed. And the enemy is going to use everything that led to that crime, everything about that crime, he is going to try to use that to undermine you, to beat you up, to make you think that there is no redemption for you. But that's a lie. You could be at your home sheltering in place and having conflict with those around you. And the enemy is lying to you. And he's lying to you, making you making you believe or think that everything that is spoken about you is true, against you is true, when it is not. If you are a believer today, I want to I want to remind you who you are. And in that proclamation of who Jesus is, of who Yeshua is, I want you to recognize the power of God to knock down the enemies who have come to arrest you who have come to, to somehow 
box you in. And I'm talking about spiritual enemies right now. I'm talking about those enemies that would come and, and speak even through people who love you and care about you or people who are, are, are friends or people who are people who are your relatives, members of your family, people you've just met. I just, I want to remind you that your God is powerful. And if you know Messiah today, listen, your identity is secure in him. But let me also step back. If you do not know Messiah, the invitation is for you. And you are not listening to this podcast by mistake. The Holy Spirit has arranged this time for you right now that you would know him. That you would have an experience of understanding your true identity, who the Creator made you to be all along. Don't allow the enemy to continue to lie and misconstrue. A friend of mine pointed out that it's in this garden moment, as Messiah is committed, as committed to following through, that the enemy likely thought he won again. He had the Messiah arrested. The father of lies. The father of deception. In this case, might believe his own deception. But because of who Messiah is, even his declaration of his identity knocks the enemy down. And it's real simple. I would just I would just invite you right now that if you do not know Messiah, if you do not know him as your personal savior, if you've not come to him, let me just ask you right now, would you just pray? Say, Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, my king. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk as you have called me to walk and who I really am, who you created me to be. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, as you've promised you would. Because I believe that you died on that cross for me and you paid the price. And I accept that penalty. I accept that payment for my life. And I believe you were resurrected. And that because you were resurrected, Lord, we will live. We will live with you. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And for those that, as I say, if you have not prayed that prayer before, listen, grab hold of that. That's for you. For those that are facing struggles, for those that are facing lies and deceptions and, and hurts, facing unknown, facing things that seem unbearable, I want to pray this prayer. God, I pray that your identity would be revealed through you, through your servants, your disciples today that who you have created us to be. And God, that you would break the curse of the enemy. God, that you would tear down the lies and that we would be set free in you. No matter what sin we've committed, no matter where we failed, God, forgive us, we ask you today. And give the enemy no place. And Father, we pray 
against those barriers and against that division, against all those things, Father God, that the enemy would be about bringing into our lives. And we ask in this moment, as you reveal who you are in us, I am the great I am. The Lord, the enemy would be, his power would be broken. And just as we saw and we witnessed through the history of those whose, whose very standing was toppled, as we witnessed those who could not deny that moment that power came forth. But Lord, your power would come forth in us and bring about the miracles that you want to see in our lives and through us. And we pray this in your matchless name, Messiah. Amen. Well, there's so much here in the chapter of 18 or 17 to 18 of, of, of John, and there's so much we could read. But I'm going to have to leave it at that today. And I thank you again for joining me for this episode and pray that uh, it has been a blessing to you as it has been a blessing to me to bring it. May God be glorified in your life and may his shalom be upon you. Amen. Well, good day and shalom, my friends. It's, it's good to come to you again with another segment of, of the Holy Scriptures uh, out of the Gospel of John. I'm so excited because God has such a great plan for us. Sometimes it is so hard to see and sometimes it is, it is just smattered with conflict and difficulty and, and tensions and enough that we just want to pull away and we want to hide. And, and, and I'll tell you, that's, I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I, I just want to hide. I just want to draw into a shell and hide. But I recognize that in doing that, I really only create more of a problem for myself. Even as believers, we can think that pulling away is something spiritual or we can pulling away in the sense of escaping from conflict, in the sense of, of trying to avoid the, the tensions and the, the pressure, we often think that maybe the best way is just to, to avoid it. The difficulty with avoidance is the pressure will always be there. The tension will always be there. The... the conflict or the reason or the underlying reason for that conflict will always be there because those issues are usually within ourselves or sometimes within the spiritual realm that, that surrounds us and harasses us. When I say sometimes, I think I, I really should reevaluate that statement. They're almost always in the spiritual realm that surrounds us and harasses us. So what does it mean for you and I today to witness how Messiah, how Jesus dealt with conflict. Well, one of those things is in the scripture we see in John chapter 19. There is, there is this moment in which Messiah has been arrested and he is, he is being brought before authorities and principalities of, of that region. 
And it's interesting, he's brought before Pilate, and, and Pilate understands that he's being charged by the Judean leaders because he claims to be the Son of God. Verse 8 we pick up in chapter 19. When Pilate heard this word, he became even more fearful. He went into the praetorium again and said to Yeshua, said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus, Yeshua, gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You are not speaking to me. Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and I have the authority to crucify you? This is what we, we face, I think, all around us. And I'm going to stop here for just a moment, but I think we face this all around us. This moment, of course, is, is the, the pivotal moment in history that is so essential. It's the thing that, that, that God had prophesied would take place. It's the, that he had spoken through the prophets that this would happen. This moment of, this moment of redemption for mankind. For those who would receive but in what would seem to be a smaller scale, although I would say also very significant in our lives, that we see those pressures in this place that it, that it would seem that everything has more authority over us. Here you have Pilate saying, don't you know I have the authority to, to deal with you however I will, however I desire? And I think we find ourselves there too, that, that there are times that we see everything seems so out of our control that everything and everybody has more power over us. Every spiritual force, every dark force set against us has more power over us, it seems, than we have power to defend ourselves against it. Here Messiah sets up, however, in a place where he has willingly placed himself under the authority of Pilate. For Pilate to make this decision. And we know, we know that, that this is the, the, he is the son of God. Any moment he could have ended this whole thing. He could have called legions of angels and it would have been done. But because of you and I, because of his desire to bring salvation to you and I, it's interesting to me that what he does is he sets himself under this authority that really has no authority over him unless he gives it to them. I think we're finding ourselves in, in similar places. We find ourselves in similar places in which, in which we are in, put under or allow ourselves to be put under authority of, of those around us. And perhaps because God has ordained this moment for us to do so. In relationships, we put ourselves under the authority of, of sometimes those whom we're in relationship with, whether it be a boss or a manager or a friend, uh, a, a spouse. And we put ourselves in authority or in relationship to their authority, knowing that we really don't have to. But yet we sense and discern it's God's will that we do this and we press through. Well, here you have the same thing in a much grander scale. In that Pilate really has no authority over Jesus. No authority over Yeshua. Because what we see in verse 11, Yeshua confirms this. He says, you would have no authority over me if it hadn't been given you 
uh, to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Pilate tried to let him go after this, but the Judean leaders cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of, of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard that, heard those words, he brought Yeshua out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, but in Aramaic is called Gabatha. It was the day of preparation for Passover, about the sixth hour, and Pilate said to the Judean leaders, Behold your king. Now this sets up the scenario in which, in which Messiah will allow himself to be taken to the cross and to be crucified. And this is done for the sake of our redemption. This is done because it is necessary that it be done. But I was thinking just in this little devotional today how often it is that, that we, well, maybe I should say me, I don't, the first thing I often look for is a place of escape rather than, God, what is your will through this? What do you desire me to do through this? Where would you have me place myself in this so that I might walk through it in a way that honors you? My Lord and King, I pray today as we come to you as your servants, as we come to you and we desire, God, to do your will, to walk in your way, that, Father, you would let us know what is your will, what authority we're to put ourselves under, and what authority we're not to. And God, when we are to walk away, let us be able to walk away. But God, when you've called us to press forward, God, let us press forward as your promise. Let us hear your voice, Father. And not just, not just find an out because of a sake of, of feeling less conflict or less hardship or less pressure. But God, also let us find joy knowing that it is our God who redeems, it is our God who saves, it is our God who will bring forth the victory. Messiah, I pray in this hour and in this season, you would just show us how to walk. And Lord, that we would be the people that walked after you. In the light of your promise, just as your son, just as our Lord, Yeshua, Jesus did, God, may we be willing to walk through and not around, but walk through that that you've called us to, that we might see the greatest victory. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit power would come upon us in such a way that we would see those victories and that we would not fall back. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, folks, thank you so much for for. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of, of time to listen to this podcast. I know there's a lot going on in our, in our culture, in our world right now. I know there's a lot of conflict. I know there, there are a lot of big issues that we, as the church and the people of God, have to deal with. And we're being called to face those big issues and not walk around them, not run around them. 
Not skirt them, not avoid them, but deal with them because they have to be dealt with. And I'm talking about issues from racism to issues of conflict in our church, in our, in our, in our meetings. I'm talking about dealing with life the way that God has called us to deal with life. And I pray that God would give you the power and the authority and the right words in the right season to say that you would see God glorified in your midst this day as you put yourself under the relationship to God that he desires you to have and we not escape from the promises as we walk in his covenant promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, shalom, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Pod Church with your host, myself, Dr. Eugene Saunders. You know, you might uh, join me in prayer about this. I would love to have a co-host partner with me in this, not only for the purposes of uh, being able to uh, broaden the scope of a of our discussion, but uh, to get another perspective. And I know that the Lord uh, has laid that on my heart for a reason, and so I'm praying that we, we find just the right person to come along and help give that other perspective and, and the insights and, and bring questions, perhaps, that we, can, that we can address. I'm going to take you to a different place. We've been going through the Gospel of John, and it has been a wonderful adventure. But I want to take you back. I want to take you back uh, to Genesis chapter 4. And before I go too much into this, I want to offer some resources to you that maybe you, well, you may or may not be aware of. One, I do have a YouTube channel. And we have a few subscribers on that YouTube channel. Through the years, we've gone through... Uh, a number, uh, or it's kind of gone up and down. Uh, right now, I can't say that it's at an all-time high, but we are continuing to put out episodes, and I will say that, that God is meeting people, I, perhaps in this season, more than even in other times. So I want to invite you uh, to, that, to that resource. Um, and it is a video resource, of course, YouTube. And you can just look it up under Dr. Eugene Saunders, and you should be able to find me there. Well, I want to talk to you out of Genesis 4. And the reason I brought up the YouTube uh, channel is that I have been going through the book of Genesis, uh, starting uh, in chapter 1, going through chapter 3. And this chapter 4 would be picking up at the place where, where the YouTube next uh, session of that YouTube uh, will come out. Now, in a way, this podcast then is a preview to that. Genesis chapter 4 is, well, it, it's a very intriguing narrative. It's an intriguing narrative because there are well, there is a series of crises that take place just before this. And those that know Genesis chapter 4 are going to know that another crisis is going to happen. 
But the crisis that I'm talking about here, making reference to here in this episode, is the crisis of the failure in the garden. And again, if you haven't had the opportunity to watch my teaching on that, I would invite you to do so. I think it has a direct application for people today as we are dealing with division, as we are dealing with accusations, as we are dealing with, with a crisis that seems to surround us. If you're listening to this podcast any time within the season that I have put it out, which will be uh, dated uh, for today, uh, which uh, uh, is uh, the 24th of June in uh, 2020. I think that if you... If you're wrestling with the number of, just seems like one thing after another. I've talked to friends who are dealing with personal crisis as well as they are dealing with both the national crisis, uh, the international crisis, and it seems like there's just so much we're facing. And of course, it all comes back to this, this place it has its stem in this place where sin first enters into creation. Genesis chapter 4, we pick up and we read that, that a new thing has started. But even at this new thing that is that has started, it almost seems that it sets up for, for one of the worst things yet to be mentioned. And that will be murder. But before we, we have the setup, what seems to be now man and woman are, well, they're, they're starting over. They're starting over under a new environment, an uh, environment that is now cursed, an environment that is now, well, challenging for them to say the least. But the important thing, I think, is what we see is that they start. They start. And I want to read this verse to you. In fact, I had a different message planned for Genesis chapter 4. But this one weighed heavily on my heart as I read it today. It says, Now the man, in Greek, uh, uh, Hebrew, we would read Adama, Adam, sorry, Adam, Adam, had relations with Eve, his wife. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Now, that verse is the one that stuck out with me today. It wasn't the one I was planning on, on teaching on. It wasn't the one, that, it wasn't the one that, that I had been planning actually for a week to speak on. This one stuck out to me because here we have this new beginning, and yet this new beginning seems to be only a setup for another major crisis. I think sometimes we... You know, you've heard it say, said that, that if I knew what was going to happen, I never would have. You know, you fill, in the, you fill in the blank. Now, man and woman still have this directive to, to multiply and fill the earth. They still have that commission to do that from the Creator Himself. 
And here, on, their, on the first recorded event where this is happening, we have a, what seems to be a setup for failure. And, and isn't that the way that sin is too? I mean, isn't that the way that the curse is? Isn't that the way that the enemy is? And, and we're going to look at that later, not today, but later in, in another episode. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 4 and how it is that sin is crouching, evil is crouching, ready to overtake. I think there's so many times that, that we dare not even start a journey because we're worried fearful of how that journey is going to turn out. We're, we're concerned that if we start this journey, it may actually turn out bad. Something terrible might happen. And dear one, I want to say to you, that's even true, or e maybe I should even say especially true, when you start out in obedience to the Lord, whatever it is, that we oftentimes will see major conflict crisis and bad things take place even as you step out to do the thing that God has called you to do. Well, I want to share this, this, a couple of insights on this verse. Number one, it said man, I, I'm reading it here in the Tree of Life version. It said man had relations with Eve, his wife. Well, that word relations I actually looked it up because so many things in the Hebrew are so much more raw. Now, I'm not a Hebrew expert. I, please don't. I'm not trying to put myself out as being such. But I do love the Hebrew and the Greek, the original languages of, of the Scripture. But here we have, as I looked into that word, the word is yada. The, the word means to know. To know. Some of you will have that in a New King James Version or, or perhaps a King James Version which will say he knew his wife. Another translation that you might go with as well as relations or knew would be to recognize. <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm struck by that because I'm thinking how often is it that we are so quick to think in physical terms and physical relationships when it comes to man and woman, when it comes to husband and wife, we're, we're quick to go to the physical relationship and think of it only in terms of sexual intimacy without the understanding of knowledge. Recognition. Man in this is said to have known her. Known her. Known Eve, his wife. To me, that communicates something so much larger than just simply what we might think in the Western culture or even other parts of the world where we might just think they had sexual relations. No, this is, this is knowledge of. And as I meditated on that today, meaning that I thought deeply about it, How often do we miss that intimate connection with one another to know? We're at a time right now where relations between cultures and ethnicities seem to be at a, at a, at a 
Well, at a sparking point. And it's not that this is actually new, but there are people voicing it more today than we've ever heard. And there is a lack of knowledge of one another's culture. There's a lack of knowledge of one another's ethnicity or even the desire to know it. Now, certainly there is a power in the husband-wife connection to know. But I believe there is a power in knowing one another at an intimate level that we can truly say it to the other, I love you. And that's based on knowledge. I have a friend that reminds me frequently of the importance of connection and transparency. I love that. Because what they're saying is they want to know me. And they want me to know them. That's huge. That is huge. And only at that level can we really communicate what it means to love, to know. Now, in this particular verse, it has to do with the fulfillment of the commission to procreate, to multiply and fill the earth. But sometimes this process of knowing one another can be painful. Process process of transparency can be painful. Who better to trust than people who are close to you? Either that connection being friends or the connection being husband and wife. Who better to be able to trust and, and be transparent and open so that you can really say, I know you. So that you can really say, I love you. To be able to say that to people in your church is one thing. But if there's not transparency, if there's not a real openness between people, then we don't really know them. See, one of the things that's so wonderful for each of us about being loved by God is that we know that he knows us. He knows us in our imperfections. He knows us. And because he knows us, life can spring forth. He can really come forth in us. In fact, he gives us his life because he really knows us. And he knows that we really need him. Well, these are just a few thoughts and some words about what it means to know yada, what it means to know, to really know one another. Whether that be in a romantic connection a friendship, no matter the connection. It's good to know, yada, that life might spring forth in our relationships. Well, my friends, this is really all I have time for today in this episode. And I just want to say again to you, shalom. And may his blessings multiply to you. Again and again. Amen.